Sisters podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On today's episode, I'm joined again by astrologer Drew Levanti to talk about the different qualities that are initiated into a person's life or into a decision or into the start of an event based on the mode of the ascendant. So this may be review or it may be news, but all of the astrology zodiac signs fall in the category of three different modes or modalities. We have cardinal fixed and mutable. And there's an energy to these three modes that keeps, you know, creates a commonality between the signs that it encompasses, but also can depict what a moment in time is like or what an event is like. Drew specializes in electional astrology, which is a branch of astrology that relates to selecting optimal times to support a particular vision or a goal or a project that you're starting to basically bless it with a intentional time of its beginning. And I'm currently studying electional astrology from Drew. It's something that I've known about for years and through meeting Drew and hearing the way that he talks about it, it suddenly became accessible to me as something that I could learn. And I've been enjoying his videos on it so much and wanted to have him on here to talk about these different qualities of time and to dive more into the modes and bring them alive, whether you already work with the astrological modes or that's a newer concept to you. So the cardinal signs are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. The fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And actually, my talk, Pillars of Creative Mastery, the Grand Fixed Cross of the Zodiac, is now available. You can purchase the recording of that lecture. So I'll leave that in the notes too. And then the mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. For me, I knew about the astrological signs for years before I really delved into the modes in more detail. Like there's so many layers to astrology that you're always going to learn no matter how much you learn. So what I love about this conversation and about what Drew brings to the conversation in general and his teachings about the modes is this sense of being able to understand how they create experiences in time. Like what is it like to start something at a cardinal ascendant versus what it's like to start something at a fixed ascendant? So sometimes, you know, in the astrology community, people will go on Twitter and they'll look like, I forget how you find out, but you can find out the exact day to the minute when you got your Twitter account. And that's basically the birth chart of your Twitter If you start a business using electional astrology, you'll choose that time on purpose. But let's say that you opened the doors to your business and somehow you have a transcript of that exact moment in time. Well, you have the birth chart of your business and you can see what its ascendant is and what sun sign it is and what moon sign it is and all of the stuff. And we are also embodiments 
of a moment in time. We were born. That's where our birth chart comes from. And so Drew points out in this episode that we too are events. You know, we have an impact that ripples out from us. So I hope that you enjoy this episode as like a deeper exploration of these astrological modes and a window into some astrological philosophy of what it means to participate and interact with time in a very intentional and astrological way. An announcement before we begin, my Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is beginning again May 2021 and it's open for enrollment. I'm leaving a link in the notes so that you can learn more about it and enroll. This is a foundational course in understanding the language of evolutionary astrology, which centers Pluto and the lunar nodes as the bottom line of the natal chart giving us a window into a soul's ongoing evolution. What have you brought into this life? What are you developing and what is your cutting edge in this lifetime? This form of astrology is actually a wisdom school. It's something that I've lived so closely with since I first encountered it in 2012. And it has helped me not only move toward my visions and goals and my dreams and living my best life and all of that kind of upper realm stuff, But it's really helped me inquire into the depths of my nature, my shadow, what I'm attached to, what unconscious patterns I brought into this life. And having that information has given me so much insight, like rapid (laughs) insight, certain things, you know, a lot of astrologers will talk about how you can learn things from a natal chart reading that could take years in therapy. Like it's a quick route in a sense, to some really deep and expansive information. And yet astrology often becomes a lifelong companion that's so complex. There are so many layers that we can just keep learning and keep expanding. So I really made this course as a a launch pad to have a deeper relationship with astrology for the rest of your life. I created the modules in a way to introduce key concepts and foundational concepts to evolutionary astrology to explore the signs in depth and the techniques for reading a chart with this method. And it's also a community. Uh, We meet as a group every week. The lessons are pre-recorded and your course portal, and you can have that forever. Um, But we meet live once a week to discuss and to get to know each other And I really make it a point to be available to students uh, to answer your questions and to be in dialogue with you because I just think it's really important. And I really love sharing astrology with people and helping you have a deeper relationship to something that I love so much and I know has improved my life and the lives of so many around me. So if you'd like to learn more about that course, I'm leaving the the link in the notes. You can read student testimonials and sign up there. And now I will leave you to my conversation with Drew Levante. Hey Drew, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. I love it here. (laughs) I am really excited to talk to you about this. I've been, you know, as you know, but just saying this for the listeners, listening um, and watching your videos on your Patreon about electional astrology and having like a rapid learning process. Um, I really like the way that you teach it and your vision of electional astrology. And 
Yeah, I guess to start out with, um, could you introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what electional astrology is? Yeah, so I'm Drew Levante. I am an astrologer. I do all sorts of astrology, um, playing in all of the four branches. Um, but electional is really the one that I am super passionate about and putting a lot of energy into um, helping people learn and also trying to get electional astrology into a more relational mindset, um, which is less outcome oriented and more focused on um, contemplation and being in tune with experience in a way that decenters ourselves um, as like the be all and end all of our work here and building in more relationship and um, being with others um, through astrology because astrology really is this, this place where we get to contemplate the world around us um, and our place within it, um, but not simply ourselves. It's about that relationship. And so with electional astrology, um, it's essentially choosing times to do things and aligning our actions with the cosmos. So how that looks in my life um, is it happens in many ways, in many, many different things. I would elect to the start of my business. That's what I did. For example, I um, choose times to send important messages or like invite people to my house um, just to make sure that I'm um, in tune with the world around me. That's how I see it. And so that's essentially how I would sum up electional astrology. This is really cool because um, I think that the the way that you approach it feels just really expansive and experiential and open and collaborative and spiritual, really. Um, and I've had this really fun experience tuning into your work and going from kind of just choosing times uh, haphazardly, I would say, I mean, just using my knowledge of astrology and looking at the chart and being like, this seems great. And, you know, but not knowing the actual rules of electional astrology. So if someone came to me and was like, can you help me pick a, a good time to release an album or do something? I would say, you know, that's not really my specialty. Let's talk about, you know, your soul's ongoing evolution. <laughs> and so working with, um, the videos that you share, I, um, I was surprised at how quickly I could pick things up and like act on it and try things. And something that really struck me was moving into having a relationship with hourly time, as opposed to watching the cycle of like, uh, Saturn and Pluto. And that's like a over 30 year cycle. Um, and so watching big time, you know, but watching these events throughout the day and seeing how the mood shifts or what events correlate with it. And this idea that the ascendant is actually pretty influential at any given moment, which was something that I was sleeping on, honestly. <laughs> and, um, the idea too that the ascendance mode, so mutable, fixed, cardinal, could actually have a, you know, paints a picture of what the event that took place under that election or under that moment, like how it's going to manifest. So now with your help, uh, I've done some elections um, and 
just had so much fun with it and a lot of like openings in my experience with astrology. So I wanted to talk to you about the different modes and the ascendant Mm -hmm. and how they characterize time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the modality is a really foundational feature in any chart um, for for the ascendant. I mean, if you think about um, at least in a in a whole sign house system, um, which is some of what's been transmitted um, to us from the Hellenistic tradition, there is um, basically the ascendant and the modality of the ascendant determines the modality of all of the the houses, which are is like career and relationship and home, and really the the pivot points of the chart. And so the modality of the ascendant builds in. The modality of all of those other places and the how i like to think about modality is like the pace of things um the shape within time um, of really like whatever begins at that time and maybe that's something to focus on a little bit more is there's a notion of time as a container for living your life you know like you're talking about moods right like the mood of the moment changes um, depending on what hour it is. And I think that's true. And in addition to that, we can also think of um, time as a a container. Yes, a container, but also a container for a beginning. And so if something begins at a time, and this is the really core of electional astrology, is that the beginning of something matters. The beginning of something says a lot about the unfolding of that thing. And so if we take that and look at the modality of a beginning, if a mod- if the modality is fixed, say, for a beginning, then what would it mean for something to unfold in a fixed way? Well, you can maybe think about your friends who have fixed rising signs because people are also events, I think. People have um, influences on the world around them, which I think are very well characterized by the modality of their rising sign. Uh, I'm really interested in like blurring the distinction between people and things um, and seeing seeing astrology uh, more expansively that way. Um, and so, yeah, with modality, I mean, all three of them have so many different qualities that um, are they open up. Anytime you use an election, they open up a a space for that being the experience of like a longer event. It's not necessarily just that moment, right? It's the whole life of the thing that begins at that time. Um, and so that's part of this experiential approach to election astrology. It's not just, I want this thing to go quote unquote, well, I want it to, um, to, you know, I want to make a million dollars. So I'm going to make sure that Jupiter is in the second house or something, you know, you can do that. Um, but it's also about um, being observant, starting something and then watching how it goes, feeling your experience, being really in touch with yourself as you go through this experience. And um, so that's starting to get into the the emotions uh, of of a time, like if you do something with cancer rising, for example, um, maybe maybe there's there's something special about that, just because it's the rising sign. So we can get a lot from from just looking at that. Okay, you're smiling. People can't see this who are listening, but I did a cancer election for a house search. <laughs> 
So maybe we can come back to that, but I want to um, dive into the modalities and how they show up. Um, yeah. And so where would, where would be a good place to start? Where should we begin? I don't know. How about Cardinal? That makes sense, okay. right? So <laughs> Cardinal for people listening is Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Yeah. So Cardinal, we're thinking about speed, things that happen quickly and are over just as quickly. Um, I think of a rush, a rush in time, a rush in action, maybe a rush in feeling. Um, a frenzy that builds up and it's, it's like a groundswell of energy and then it's gone. So if you're doing something under a cardinal rising sign, like you're electing something under that, under one of those signs that you mentioned, it's something that happens. It's like, it starts quickly, right? It's like a jolt of energy and then it might be over just as quickly. And there are plenty of things that that's appropriate for. So one of the things that I, I love about, um, you know, having these traditional texts is like being able to go back and see like what kinds of things they said would be good for, for different rising signs and or different modalities. That was a, a big emphasis actually in the tradition of electional is um, simply the modality of the rising sign. And so with Cardinal, they would say that it's good for buying and selling because a purchase it's like okay we're, we're gonna do it now we're gonna do it quickly and then it's gonna be over um, if you had another rising sign maybe it would last longer or maybe it would be kind of fuzzy and you don't know like exactly what you're getting um, there's a clarity to cardinal signs um, and a speed as well those would be the main kinds of um, focuses I would say and with that speed um, what else is speed good for speed is good for travel, right? So going to another place, you're going on a, a trip and then you're coming back. And if you're on that trip for too long, maybe, maybe you had some delays, maybe that would be um, a different modality. Um, but if you want to go and return quickly, then that would be something for a cardinal sign. Interesting. Okay. Um, that correlates with my cancer rising experience. What about um, the fixed signs? Yeah, so the fixed signs, um, longevity, endurance, things that are steadfast. Um, one of the translations that we get is solid signs. So um, I think of like a tree that's 500 years old, like a, an old redwood. And it's just, it's been there, it's been growing and it's not moving. And so with the unmoving quality of it, um, that can be sometimes like a slow start, a slow beginning to something, but eventually there's enough um, momentum that builds that um, there's maybe even a better long-term outcome rather than the cardinal sign, which is going to be more short-lived. Got you. Okay. So that is Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. What have been some like elections that you've experienced with the fixed risings? Ooh, um, well, so the main the main one that is like really important is the beginning of my business, um, like announcing that I was going to do astrology professionally, and that's about that's less than a year old actually. So, um, you know, there's some. Um, 
longevity, I suppose, but I haven't gotten to see the full fruits of that yet. Um, I really like historical examples as well for election or for inceptions rather. Um, you know, it, an election is like if you do something intentionally at a time and an inception is if it just happens and it has a beginning anyway. So we can see the chart of that. Um, and one of the kind of fun historical examples around fixed signs is Godzilla, the, the first like ever Godzilla movie. It has like the moon conjunct Mars and Aquarius and like the sun conjunct Saturn and Scorpio. So super fixed energy. And even Venus is in Scorpio and Mercury's in Scorpio. So it's, there's a ton of fixed energy. Um, and the rising sign is slightly unclear, but um, presumably it's a Taurus rising as well, based on like the time that the screening would have been. And, you know, that film has had such, or not even just the film, but just like Godzilla as a, as a creature and, and an image has had such a long life in culture. So I find that to be a really interesting example of fixed energy just lasting a long time, very simply. Um, and also being you know, something about fixed signs that is a little bit more complicated is the way that fixed signs, you know, we don't think of fixed signs as adaptable, but fixed signs make things adapt to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> They're like stubborn. Yeah. But yeah. also like tenacious and resilient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so being able to, um, the magnetism of like getting of like achieving something and, or having something come into your life with fixed energy, I think is really magical. Um, all of the modalities are magical in different ways, but I would say that for fix, it's definitely the magnetism component. Have you experienced that before? Yeah. I talk about the, the grand fixed cross as like a, um, pillars of creativity. So mm manifesting your best life or even like for anyone who wants to develop wealth or their money mindset, I feel like there's ingredients in each of the fixed signs to do that. And it's this very kind of like, you know, changing these deep rooted patterns and like constructing like the inner receptivity towards receiving and, um, finding some kind of freedom or liberation from previous ways one has thought about money or experiences one has had with money, Leo, like creating something like just mm -hmm. like I map them out, like that they all can really help with building this kind of life that has continued returns. Mm -hmm. I like what you said just there, all of it. But one thing that stuck out is the, the idea of, like changing something from before and being a different way now. And so with fixed rising signs or fixed energy in general and electional, how I think of that is you're, you're making a decision. Like it's a big decision because it's under a fixed sign. So it's going to last. So be really sure that this is something that you want to live for a long time. Um, there are maybe other rising signs that are better for like exploration and, um, seeing where things go and, and being led in a direction that you weren't sure where it was going to be. Um, so yeah, I like that. Yeah. They, 
I kind of think too of the fixed signs having this certain gift of like when they decide something, setting it into motion, just like you were saying. I feel mm-hmm. like even Leo is kind of like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think we started with the Leo rising for you. So oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> um okay. And then the the mutables. I love hearing your perspective on this because uh, it gave me so much context for thinking about myself as a mutable rising. Uh-huh. And I was just kind of mind blown the last time I heard you talk about it. Yeah. Mutable. I, it's funny, like in preparing for this, I was going back through like all the elections I've ever done. And I was like, wow, I'm using a lot of mutable charts, <laughs> like elections for myself, that is. Um, and that's kind of Funny. So mutable, we're talking about uh, Gemini, Virgo, um, Sagittarius, and Pisces. The traditional texts are not super high on mutable signs as the rising sign, which is kind of funny. Um, There's something mysterious and unclear about mutable energy because it has so much to do with there being more than one of something. It takes us, mutable energy takes us out, I think, of... Like ideas of like identity and uniformity and things needing to be one. It's about things being two. And so if we think about these signs in particular, like Gemini, there's the idea of two in the twins. In Sagittarius, there's the idea of two in the centaur and two becoming one, this human and horse fused into one body. In Pisces, we have the fishes, the two fishes that are like circling each other. In, in Virgo, we have this idea of the harvest. And if you watch somebody harvest wheat by hand, which not many people do anymore, in one hand, you have the, the scythe. And in the other hand, you're grabbing the wheat. And it's this, it's this double process. And then at the end you have the wheat and you have to, you have to separate the wheat from the chafe. There's a, there's a separation a discernment of um, what is being used and what is being discarded. So with all of these signs, there's this idea of Tunis. Um, and with that is this mystery really, because, and I don't know if this is simply because of like cultural, like norms, like pushing sort of like, Oh, I I need to be one thing to like have a career as one thing. I need to identify myself in one word or, or some words. Um, and I think that mutable energy like unsettles that there's something uh, there's something more, there's something mysterious and something that is, is not yet seen. There's something invisible maybe that um, it's like something about mutable and Virgo is rising right now. So I'm like trying to tap into this. Um, it's there's there's a quality of recurrence things happening again or deja vu, mm. things echoing. Um, I've, I've used several mutable charts, so I can definitely like share examples of like how this looks. Um, there's something fantastical about mutable energy, I think. Um, how do you reflect on that as a, as a Pisces rising? I think that there's a lot of times in my life where 
I recognize that in order to get to the place that I'd like to go, I have to do a lot of different things. And it's like a cumulative, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I don't really care if it pans out. Like I remember, um, like just kind of losing this sense of needing to have a particular outcome of my actions and thinking about each moment as like planting a seed. Um, and that eventually there's like a ripple effect from all these little actions. And Mm -hmm. so even, you know, how I conducted astrology research at one point with interviewing a bunch of people. Um, I mean, I sat down with people and had a process, but I didn't take any notes. Um, I didn't like collect my findings. I just absorbed it. And there was something about the process of being in all these different conversations that was like, this wind in my life that then, you know, I was a different person afterward. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it was my mutability that was like, I don't need to take notes. Like (laughs) this is just, you know, so I'm okay with having an experience and it dissolving or, um, I even allowed myself to basically not feel guilty about spending money on something that I ended up like, Oh, that was like a wrong purchase decision. Like literally just having no negative charge in my body about it. Like it was Mm -hmm. an experience. Mm -hmm. I learned something like onward. So this kind of like uh, my practicality is diffuse. Yeah. 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 Well, and there's like an open-endedness. It's like wherever I end up, like, I mean, that's a real skill of mutable, of mutable energy is adaptation right yeah. and wherever wherever i end up i will still have my adaptable mutable abilities and that's all i need um and i think there's there's a wisdom seeking of mutable energy as well um because it's not so invested in oneness it's willing to experiment and have experiences that take it somewhere different um, and so there's a, a divine, I think, acceptance of all kinds of experiences that come with, with that. So what's happened in your elections? Yeah, well, actually, when I came to visit you <laughs> was uh, a great like example of a mutable rising uh, for, with Pisces rising specifically. Um, so remember the theme of Tunis, right? So I was visiting my brother and I was also visiting friends as sort of like two separate legs of the journey. So um, my brother um, lives outside of San Francisco and I visited him first. It was actually the second time that I was visiting him at this new home. I spent about a week there and then I spent a week in the Bay in like, you know, Oakland and San Francisco. Um, There were a couple of my friends in San Francisco who I got to see from college. So it was my friend, Justin and my friend, Juliet. Oh, they both start with J. <laughs> funny too. Um, I didn't even pick up that part of it. So there was two of them. And then there were two of you. I, I saw you. We're both saw, evolutionary astrologers. Yep. Two evolutionary <laughs> astrologers, Sabrina and Cameron. Um, and I think I even went over, or I hung out with you two times, I think. Um, there were so many twos in this trip. And I mean, even outside of that very like practical kind of like clear version of it, 
I spent so much of that trip just walking around and like taking in experiences and you know, like just sitting in like waking up at sunrise and sitting in Dolores Park, um, which I feel like I could do my entire life and like listening to the city wake up and uh, the the sound of cars like streaming down the street it like one at a time in this special way that I've only ever heard happen in San Francisco where it's like you can hear it coming from a long way away and it like kind of fades it and then it fades and there's this like long after this after sound that just makes me feel warm um it's something so that I could romantic yeah I'm, I'm super <laughs> romantic about San Francisco I could talk about it forever but um, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a, a Piscean element of, of that experience in particular, where it's almost like inarticulable, like how magical it is. Uh, also some mutable, uh, drifting, like I would just walk around, um, and see where I ended up. It was actually on the day that Biden won the election that I, um, left, I, it was like in between, um, living situations. Like I was leaving Oakland and like heading to San Francisco and I was like walking around Oakland for the day and Biden had won the election that day. You know, there were, like, it was like basically a party in Oakland, of course. And I was just like watching live music and then like strolling around the bay and like going to the, just seeing where I ended up, there was like no attachment to like any particular, um, you know, outcome of my next hour. It's just, we'll see. Um, and so I think that we'll see energy is um, a big, um, lesson that I've learned about mutable energy through elections. So with that, what would you like use mutable signs in an election for? Yeah. So experimentation like if you're doing something that you haven't done before and you don't know where it's going to lead like actually my patreon was a mutable rising it was a gemini rising um because you know it was my first time teaching basically and I it's didn't so know good it's yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what kind of teaching I was going to be doing. I didn't know what styles were going to feel good. Um, I didn't, you know, I don't, I didn't know how long it was going to last. There was so much unknown. And so for me, choosing a mutable rising was a way of embracing that uncertainty. And so there are obviously many situations in life where things are uncertain and if you want to embrace that, use embrace it in a way that um, invites solutions that you didn't expect. That's mutable to me. If you want to embrace uncertainty in terms of like fixing uncertainty into the situation, then that would be like a fixed sign. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say just bringing in, bringing in new experiences and being willing to shift your approach um, and also learning, learning about what your approach ought to be. And uh, so there's something receptive um, about mutable energy that I think you can definitely um, align with. That's super cool. Um, are there any like, other election stories that you'd want to share? 
let's see. Well, there's another historical example that takes us back to cardinal energy, which is the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, the, and there was an announcement that was, it was on November 9th, 1989. And an announcement was made by um, the leader of, I, I guess, East Berlin, who said that anybody can travel between East and West Berlin. And this was like monumentous and it was under a cardinal, it was under cancer rising um, with also Jupiter and cancer in the first house. So there was the, this like mass of people who like went in East Berlin, who went to the Berlin wall and were like trying to get into West Berlin. And this is actually a funny example of like, yes, there's this beginning, this announcement that happens with, um, the cardinal rising sign, but then there's a fixed rising sign that was the, that was uh, Leo started to rise when the doors were finally opened, and so it's like it's the the announcement happens, and there's the beginning of this liberation, this breaking down of the wall, and then it's when the fixed sign starts to rise that it we're never going back, it, the wall will be down forever. And so I thought that was a beautiful example of, um, you know, there, there are often like multiple moments that are important. Um, and I thought that one was a really organic example of how that happens. Um, yeah, how that, how that happened in that historical example. It really opens up a, a different relationship with time that adds more texture. Like mm. it's just, um, continuing to feel really awe-inspiring because, you know, we have calendar time and, you know, years of our life. And then we get into astrology and we have like the lunar cycle, but then to add in like the clicking of hourly time and feel the depth of that is just really profound. And something that I noticed from working with elections is that there was a portal that opened up <laughs> like mm -hmm. the election is like a portal. You're kind of stepping into a choice to engage a particular moment in time, but I could actually feel the event like coming toward me before mm -hmm. it actually happened. And it is a significant, it was even more, more kind of mystical. Like for example, if you plan a trip when you buy the ticket or something and you, you make a plan. I feel like it sets you on a timeline. So you alter reality through making plans, mm -hmm. but you make a specific plan for a specific moment in time. And you know, that chart and it's like, it starts to talk to you. Mm -hmm. um, so I just had this really, you know, a lot of synchronicities and interesting things happen. So I was excited to tell you about that. Yeah. And I'm just curious, kind of like what you think about this kind of, intentionality with time and like what that opens up or what it says about, you know, our relationship with time. Oof. Yeah. I, I like what you just said about like the portal opening up. Uh, that's, that is what it feels like. It's, there's something about the intention of like selecting the time that, like you said, it feels like it's coming toward you. Um, things have been set in motion as soon as you set the intention for the action. Um, I mean, one of the things that it brings to mind is nonlinearity because it's as if 
the election is already happening. It's like, it's still in the quote unquote future, but the future is also now. And so that, that blending between, uh, I think elections have, they've certainly shown me something magical in that area where I can't simply think of the past, the present and the future. All of these things are one, um, or if I'm getting super mutable, maybe they're two, but they are, they're, they're not, they're not on one continuum where I can simply like look into the future and like plan my stuff out. And then as soon as I take the action at that time, that's when it begins. No, it's beginning right now. It's the, the future is in my present experience. It's in my imagination. Um, and it's also in my, like my tangible experience because I mean, the imagination, um, the imagination is so much of how we perceive the world. Um, I think there's a, there's, there's something um, tricky that happens if we section off imagination from perception, perception in the sense of like, I'm touching the table. Like I have a microphone right here that I can look at and, um, and feel a microphone is not just the microphone sitting in front of me. It's also what I imagine a microphone to be. Um, there, there's multiple like ways that things exist and it's not simply material or imaginary. Um, it's always both at the same time. And that's something that um, has influenced how I think about elections and astrology more generally, where, you know, like you said, a chart speaks, a chart is, there's something that emerges from charts they they tell us something about the world. There's a philosopher named uh, Walter Benjamin who was a Marxist, and he talked about aura, specifically in terms of um, art. And he was concerned. He was writing at a time where um, art was being reproduced, um, so it wasn't just the there were all these copies, right? Um, capitalism had come to this point where it could produce copies of the great works of art. And he was concerned with whether the aura or like the magic behind the art would persist in these copies or if it would die eventually. Um, and he talks about aura um, I think it's interesting to put this in conversation with the more like modern sensibilities around aura, which are a bit more like, Oh, I can, you know, I can see your aura. Like it, there, there's something, there's something about your aura that strikes me um, in a particular way. And he was really concerned with the aura of objects and seeing that, that liveliness in the non-living is something that I find really um, inspiring. Mm. Yeah, this ties back. You were saying this connection between people and things. Yeah, we're we're all uh, we're all stuff. <laughs> and and con consciousness is more than human. Um, consciousness isn't simply human. Um, I think it's more useful and in, uh, 
provocative and expansive to think of consciousness as something that transcends um, the human form. And it, it, it's consciousness is a bridge um, between things and people, or maybe there's a different way to, um, to parse that out. But he says that um, to experience the aura of anything means to invest it with the ability to look back at you. And that's what I feel when I do elections. And when I'm looking at charts in general, um, whether they're elections or birth charts, it's something's looking back at me. And I'm not simply reading it. I'm inviting it into me. And so when I do an election, when I you know, act at a certain time, I'm inviting that time into my life. And that's where it gets really spiritual with choosing an election. It's not just like, oh, I don't want it to go well. I, I don't want it to go badly. Like, I want to make sure like this kind of like anxious approach to um, picking times, which is like super na- it's very natural. And like, I have, I do that sometimes. And it takes a lot of discipline to, to not engage with electional that way. Um, the spirituality of it comes in when it's like, what do I want my life to be? It's, it's that simple. What do I want to, not just what I want it to be. What do I want to invite? What others, what, what energies do I want to invite into my life? Um, and so that's so much of um, thinking about like the aura of, of, of charts. Like there is, there is something, um, something more that's like looking back at us. That's incredibly beautiful. I would love to hear more about how you apply discipline to shift your relationship away from anxiousness and into that kind of spirit. Because yeah. I think this is an important inquiry for astrology in general, like mm-hmm. whether it's our natal chart or a transit, you know, what it means to move away from an anxious approach. Right. Well, I think one of the one of the traditional approaches that helps me with this is seeing seeing placements in charts as not only the individual and like components of the individual, but also others. There's something about expanding the scope of the chart outside of the individual that makes it more real. Um, it takes it, you know, so when I experience anxiety, it's, I'm stuck in my head and I can't get out. It's just me for a second. I like fixate on all of the things that I've done wrong or all of the things, all of the like awkward moments and, um, or, or all of the things that I'm not doing in this moment that aren't going to, you know, it's all about me, me, me. And, you know, that's, that's my experience of anxiety. And I think that when I look at a chart, um, if I'm thinking of only myself, then that's that kind of experience is, is prone to happen. But if I look at a, at a placement in a chart, like if I look at this gets into like the mechanics of chart reading for me, which is much more based on um, different parts of the chart signifying things outside of the individual. So like the seventh house signifying others in general. Um, so like if I'm 
sending a message and I see the ruler of the seventh house. So like, say it's, it's an Aries rising chart. Um, the seventh house is Libra. Um, in this chart, the ruler of Aries, Mars is me. And the ruler of Libra, Venus is the other person. And so seeing that relationship, whatever relationship exists between Mars and Venus in that chart is going to characterize the relationship that I would be inviting into my life if I choose to do that. Um, and so that there's something about um, expanding my perception into the world outside of my own head that astrology facilitates. Um, but it does take, you know, reading, being, being willing to read the chart outside of um, just the perspective of one's own experience and inviting in others. That's super interesting. Um, it's interesting, you know, I guess for a while I've known about electional and not known how to practice it. So I'm like, I'm just sending things or doing things when I feel like it. And I guess I can look back at it and see what I was setting into motion or, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, you gave me an election for announcing my book, mm -hmm. like the first announcement. And that was one of the portals that opened up. Uh, mm -hmm. There were so many synchronicities around it. It was like such an initiation and it was to the minute um, I got an email of someone interested in working with me and I was, you know, that they sent me an email at that exact moment, of course, got my attention. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just really interesting, like, I guess to connect it back to, you know, sending communications, there was something special about that moment. Like there was something implicated in that moment and something ended up happening. Yeah. That's so interesting thinking about the like things in the past that uh, like you weren't electing them and you're just kind of like doing it whenever, doing it when it feels right. And I mean, that's, that's how, that's how it works. That still works. You know, like, a lot of times people will just do things and it's an awesome chart. Like you'll get married and they weren't consulting an astrologer and the chart is fantastic. And maybe it was just meant to be that way. Um, I like to think about, um, you know, the, the election often finds you. Um, so even if you are not electing the chart, the chart can still elect you. And that comes, why that particular chart elects you really comes back to like your own birth chart and um, the sorts yeah. of experiences that come through that. I like to be in this, I guess, dual, maybe like a uh, mutable rising kind of relationship with this timing of like, sometimes, yeah, the thing comes through me and I just act on it. And other times I have an event coming up that I want to put the intention and give it an exact time. And now I have the ability to do that, mm -hmm. although a novice, but thanks to you from your Patreon, um, which is really exciting and has been fun to experiment with. Um, yeah. I'm curious about like how one's relationship with the planets would affect one's, you know, electional experience. Uh, because I guess in my case, I've done plenty of things with like Mars rising or on an angle or Saturn on an angle, which is like not necessarily, you know, there's a time and space for those planets for sure. 
Um, but I've had really positive experiences, but I also love those planets. So yeah, yeah. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah. So I, I do come from a perspective where, um, those things are typically like Mars and Saturn being super prominent in a chart is in most cases, something to avoid. But, um, I also think that you, you know, those planets might like you more. Um, like I am not afraid of Mars in elections because I'm ruled by Mars. I'm Scorpio rising. I'm an Aries sun. My Mars is in Aries. And so if I see Mars like doing some stuff in a chart, um, for me, it might be way more manageable um, or maybe even beneficial in some cases um, than it would be for somebody else. And so that's a really important point, Sabrina, about um, relationships with planets. And part of that relationship comes from your birth chart. Um, if you are a child of Mars, um, Mars might be more willing to help you out. Or if you're a child of Saturn, the same goes. Um, and then the other part of the relationship comes from what you've learned, what wisdom you've internalized and how have you chosen to integrate the, these archetypes into your life? Um, how do you understand them? You know, there's a lot of talk these days about remediation and um, I'm on board with remediation. I use it. I use it in client work. Um, essentially remediation is like improving the manifestation of a planet in your life um, in various ways. And there seems to be an emphasis, I think, on um, remediation through like disciplines and you know mantras or um, working with certain materials, um, maybe magical materials. And those are all awesome resources. And I also think that learning and study and exploring ideas is another yes. form of remediation. Yes. I feel so much about that. Um, because even like with Saturn, I've been in a lot of reflection on Saturn, particularly this weekend, because I'm writing some things about Saturn transits. And so I was thinking about the ways that Saturn can be caricatured as, as this mm -hmm. like old man and like punisher and stuff. Yeah. And that, actually internalizing Saturnian wisdom changes how we see things. Um, okay. and yeah, changes how we even experience a Saturn transit. So I think, yeah, building relationship with the planets is mm -hmm. where it's at. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if I want to talk about fate right now, do I? <laughs> um, but you know, it, it maybe maybe it's your fate to have shitty Saturn transits, or maybe it's your fate to not, or maybe it's somewhere in your chart that you learn something about Saturn, and then Saturn becomes more of your friend. Or yeah, you can befriend Saturn. Um, it, what's it like to be friends with Saturn? Well, what's it like to have a grumpy person be nice to you? Um, they'll probably <laughs> give you some, they'll probably say some things that don't make you feel super awesome, but they'll probably be right. You know? Yeah. I, one thing that actually comes to mind in thinking about this is how, um, when I started monarch astrology, I needed to hire people like 
for certain things like web development or making a logo. And I just kind of started to really gain a relationship with um, directly hiring people, even if it wasn't for my business and it was just another area of my life. And I started to realize that like generally in customer service, people are required by their workplace to be nice to you, no matter how you treat them, which is really shitty in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And when I started to interact with contractors and people who are working for themselves, I, I would notice when I was annoying them. And if my tone was like demanding or if anything, like I could pick up on that. And I basically learned how to treat people well at their workplace when they were actually able to give me more of an accurate reflection that Mm -hmm. you won't get from like going into a retail shop because of that workplace politic. And so um, that being said, I feel like that was kind of like a Saturnian lesson of like, does this make sense where I'm going with this? (laughs) I think, I think think so. Yeah. So what was the Saturnian lesson? That I have like these really positive workplace relationships now. And there was that kind of initiation. And I learned basically how to communicate what I would like in a way that is like well-received and that is like kind and respectful to the people that I'm working with. And because of that, I have like an increased quality of, you know, work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think Saturn is that way, like in teacher student relationships, for example, too. Mm. Um, When I was a kid, I used to like challenge my teachers uh, (laughs) and like kind of mess with them, you know, Uh, not as much as a kid, actually, like maybe like later teenager kind of thing. And you don't get the best side of your teacher when you mess with them that way, unless they know how to play back and kind of like, you know, engage that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you learn how to be in like right relationship with say authority figures or people that you're working with, that you're going to have a better experience. Um, and it's a, you can be taught that by getting in trouble or whatever, or you can just mm-hmm. be taught that by seeing cause and effect and adjusting your behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saturn, Lord of karma, karma, cause and effect, um, as one definition of karma among many, um, it also made me what you were just saying, think about the, uh, the exaltation of Saturn and Libra and that, that exchange or that interaction with another person becomes, uh, more effective and um, stands on a sturdier foundation when um, when the authority and like when the authority is not rooted necessarily in hierarchy, um, and that you actually learn um, you actually have a yeah that you get more out of the relationship. I don't like those words. Hmm. You um, you can it's it's just more effective. Um, you can learn more um, about the situation. You can have a, a more effective contract, um, when Saturn is respected and when you've learned the lessons of Saturn. Yeah. Thank you for helping me sum up this. This is like <laughs> yeah. a new thought, you know, yeah, yeah. Not when I've said out loud very much, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think that, um, there's another piece of this with, um, the re- relationships with planets and elections, you don't always get to choose a chart that is without quote unquote problems. Um, a lot of times you end up, especially if you don't have that many options, you end up um, doing something where there's like a problem planet 
in a problem place. Um, and so say it's, you know, I, Saturn has not always been my friend. Saturn has become my friend more recently. Um, but I used to be really afraid of Saturn in elections and I still kind of am. Um, but if, if you do something that has one of these kinds of signatures that makes you a little uneasy, um, I think there's a way of, of going into that experience ready to learn um, instead of um, simply like waiting for the inevitable bad thing to happen, which is, you know, you may maybe want to be prepared. There's that kind of expectation setting that we get with elections where we can kind of see what's coming because we see the chart. Um, and then there's another part of it where it's like, well, maybe it's not going to go exactly how I think it's going to go. Um, or maybe if it does, maybe there's some like nuance about it or some um, approach that I was able to learn from that experience that uh, means that in the future, I will alter my approach um, to a similar situation. And so I think there's always, um, you know, the, the relationality of working with elections is also about a willingness to learn. That's beautiful. Yeah, it feels like that's the contemplative aspect that you're talking about, as opposed to this kind of, here's my election, now I'm just going to do it and not think about it and it's done, but to mm -hmm. actually have an experience and be with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, um, I think it comes really, you know, I, th I think that I think that most people who do elections um, end up in that place. I think a lot of it is like really how we talk about it. Um, and there's a, I think there's a culture of, you know, get what you want. And so there's an inclination to talk about it in a way where, um, you know, success, failure, accept, deny. And maybe there's some Saturnian wisdom in that as well. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that talking about it in these ways where there's, there's a lesson or, um, yeah, I'm inspired to, to continue kind of playing with, uh, playing with time and playing with charts and yeah, being willing to, to have things look back at me and to be, to be chosen by time. Yeah. I love how alive it is for you, Drew. And I feel like that comes through in kind of like the dynamism and curiosity that you bring to this. Oh, thanks. So um, how can people find you and work with you? Yeah, so you can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Anthrosophist, which is will probably be somewhere in notes somewhere. Um, and from there, you can go to my link tree and get on my Patreon if you want to learn more about this. Um, like Sabrina says, um, I make videos. And then also, um, I am obviously available for readings um, and elections, electional readings as well. Um, and all of Pisces, I, I should probably market myself a little bit. All of Pisces season, I am doing um, a big special. So you can What's check the that out. What's the special? It's 40%. Well, I'm going to leave the links for all of that in the notes. Um, thank you so much for joining me to talk about timing and hourly time. And yeah. it's been really fun to study with you. Um, so I'm excited for any listeners um, who know and love you to be listening to this and for people who haven't been introduced to you yet to find you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's always I mean, we talk all the time, but on a podcast, <laughs> it's always fun here too. <laughs> Thank you, Drew.
Thank you for listening. And, you know, it's funny. I will, I think a lot about certain things and I think so much about them or think about them over and over again that when I deliver them, it feels coherent. And then sometimes you have thoughts that you're still working on. And so after this conversation, I sat with like, what did I mean about the Saturn thing and customer service? And it was a sense basically of like, let's say you go to a tattoo artist and you ask them to tattoo you in a style that they don't actually do. You know, it's like they're either going to say no or they might do it uh, and you don't exactly get the result you want or they might be annoyed with you. Like there's any various kinds of things that can ensue versus if you go to a tattoo artist and you ask them to tattoo you with a vision and a style that's actually really relevant to them. It's like relating to reality in like an increasingly skillful or aligned kind of way. And I feel like with Saturn, it's really learning about cause and effect and that when we aren't taking responsibility for our part of cause and effect, we experience life as more challenging or maybe we're just annoyed at the thing that's happening. And so I think that the metaphor with um, hiring contractors was that for me as like a young person, I... I really went through a period of, you know, not just in that like work kind of situation, but noticing if what I was saying actually came across and if people understood me and having so many experiences of not feeling understood and feeling like how, how did what I say not translate or not, you know, make sense and going back and kind of altering it so that I could get a different response from reality to essentially be understood And when it comes to kind of like dynamics of how you treat people at their work, um, I noticed a really big pattern when I first started, you know, working with people where I was like hiring them for something was that I had to catch on to this kind of skill of asking people to do jobs that were relevant for them instead of trying to hire people for something that they don't actually do and asking for something that's not on the menu, right? And so that just like simple practical life lesson, once I internalized it and kind of got more discerning about how to engage with people when I was hiring them for something, you know, how to um, one, hire people accurately, like not in a mismatched way. And then two, um, be appropriate in my relationship with them and be, um, kind and like communicative of exactly what I was looking for and thank them and just treat them well, that I started to have increasingly more positive experiences. Um, so why that came to mind when I was thinking about Saturn was that cause and effect is something that we're we're learning through trial and error sometimes or by making mistakes. And so there's certain things like we just know that if you hold a ball up above the ground and then you drop it, that it's going to fall to the ground. Like you already have that in mind, but there's other things in life that we learn with Saturn where, you know, maybe we didn't know that 
this kind of nuanced behavior pattern that we're running has this kind of consequence in our personal lives. But when we gain that insight and can see the pattern and can see the cause and effect, then we become responsible for making a change and having a different relationship with reality once we make that change. So for me, that's a lot more interesting of a way to approach Saturn than to just think, oh no, a Saturn transit is happening. Something, you know, there's going to be hardship and it's bad. Like, no, there's a, a process for working with that archetype. Um, so that's me clarifying my thought there. And, um, I just want to say too, that if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would really love to read your review on Apple podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at Sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I will send you a resource library with videos about creating and elevating your reality. And I even talk about Saturn in these videos because I compare Saturn and karma and cause and effect to a lot of the principles within manifestation and creating your reality because thoughts are things, you know, and if you collect positive mental currency in terms of empowered thinking and visionary thinking and coming up with higher thought forms over time, you will collect a different kind of karma than if you are constantly doubting yourself or not believing in your dreams. Right. And so learning how to play with thought forms and how to play with manifestation and how to create reality is something that I bring a pretty elevated approach to, as well as a very grounded, concrete Saturnian approach to. So I'd love to share those videos with you as a thank you for helping this podcast become more visible to other listeners. Because when you review this podcast, you help it get seen. Um, you help it also kind of gain more of a reality in the world that becomes more of a fixture of the online world. And that really opens doors for me as a podcaster in terms of reaching out to people, uh, to have them on the show that, you know, maybe are like dream guests that I don't, uh, like already know or something, you know, you just send a cold email. It's a lot different when you have like a podcast that's like up and off the ground. Um, so you actually are really helping the podcast become a deeper part of reality. You're helping spread these ideas. If you find enjoyment in this podcast, you're, you're basically spreading that gift to other people. So it's like single-handedly the most helpful thing you can do as a podcast listener here that, you know, reviewing and telling your friends about the show. So thank you so much for listening. I love and appreciate you and I'll see you next time. Bye.